just to not waste time, you know, the most precious currency we have. I like to jump into things right away. Hi, Jessica, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, yes, I'm so excited to have you because I was looking forward to talk to you for a while now because I found you and your company, FabScrap, which you're going to hopefully tell us about some more in a minute. Um, a few months ago, really, um, because I myself started my company and it involves fabrics and I'm looking to include recycling into the business model. So I was looking who is doing what and, and how I can do it. I'm still doing my research because from what I found out, unfortunately, you can guys not recycle my fabric. Oh, but no. I know I'll figure it out. But anyway, it's not about me. It's about you. Welcome. And hey. Jessica Schreiber, Bob Scrub. I like to start the conversation. You know, I'm an introvert, so I like weather talk. It's not my thing. Um, I like to start with a deep question, by the way. And my daughter just came in, of course, the minute I said regarding. <laughs> anyway, so I like to ask my guests uh, 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 for like, childhood experience, important childhood experience that kind of form you, like inform even what you're doing now, something that really shaped you uh, into who you are, what you're doing, because I think yeah. it's something very, very important. Um, that's, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> I, um, I think... Uh, I know, right? Good, going deep right away. But, yeah. But I, like, it's good sometimes to think about those things, you know, and, and I notice it myself. So, and I love to, to hear what others experienced. I mean, I think, um, I think more so than like one singular experience, but just like, um, sort of how we spent summers as a kid. Um, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and so we were like sort of in, um, in the mountains of Albuquerque, like outside the city, um, in a more rural part of, um, Albuquerque. And we didn't have trash collection, um, cause we were outside city limits. And so I remember going to, um, the transfer station with my dad on some weekends because we had to take our own trash to a transfer station. There was nobody coming by to pick it up at the curb. So that was really like burned into my head, um, just yeah. fighting with him to go to the dump. Um, and we also spent a lot of summers and like long weekends camping and as we got older backpacking. So we were just always in national parks or state parks and we spent so much time outside. And I think that that really gave me a, an appreciation for nature and just like being in the natural world and how that can be a nice reset of like life can get so crazy and being able to step outside of that and be just outside in the environment and appreciate it for what it is and how beautiful and amazing and interconnected everything feels. Um, so that I think was a big part of sort of where I'm coming from in my own like journey with sustainability and environmentalism and studying climate change. I think that was really formative for me. Just so much time spent camping and backpacking as a kid. 
I love that. And it totally fits in what you're doing now, right? And even the mission or your company and, and what you are guys doing. Um, I love that. And I totally hear this. I, I also, like a few years back, discovered like the same growing up in Poland. We spent summers in woods and it was just weeks and weeks in, in uh, tents on the camps. Yeah. And, and and I just recently discovered, especially during pandemic, right? Like, I feel like we all have this craze now for nature because it just feels so good there. Like, it's just such a symbiotic environment. Nobody's fighting there. Everybody's just growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to say that to my kids like look like everybody's just growing here together <laughs> That's yeah. just love this energy I hear that this is awesome so yeah so that totally makes sense now so tell me about Fabscrap like what are you guys about of course I did my research of course I know but I want everybody else to hear <laughs> how it works how it came about I want to hear all of that because it's a really great idea Thanks. Um, so Fabscrap is a five-year-old nonprofit. We're based in New York City, and we work with the fashion industry, interior design, and entertainment industries, specifically businesses, to collect all of their excess design materials, um, fabric, leather, yarns, trims, zippers, and then we're either recycling that material so it stays out of landfill, or we're making it available so that students and artists and crafters and home sewers and quilters have access to this really high quality, like beautiful designer material um, at a thrift store price. And so for us, it's trying to keep as much as possible out of landfill, trying to measure commercial textile waste as a specific waste stream, and then redistributing as much of that material as possible so that it stays out of um, our waterways and out of our landfills. Yes. Um, uh, tell me, tell me some numbers. Like public numbers. Obviously, you probably. What are the ways created? And I'm, I'm already like getting ready for my body to cringe. Yeah. <laughs> I what mean, are we? What is the mess? Yeah. <laughs> I, that's one of the reasons why we take data so seriously at Fabscrap is because um, there's lots of good studies and information about used clothing and used home goods and new shoes and accessories and sort of that waste stream. But on the commercial side, like what businesses throw away, there's really not good research around that. They're not required to report it, um, not what's in it, how often they're throwing it out, where it's going, how much. And so it's all just sort of estimates. um, And that's why it's hard to like give a number, like how much is really wasted. We have collected so far um, about 650,000 pounds of materials in our first four, almost five years. Um, And that's just the designers, just New York City. And so it's really like a drop in the bucket, Um, especially because we're just working with design. We haven't even touched production yet. So it's really just making that first sample. And we're seeing so much waste just from that process. So it's it's hard to give really concrete numbers because it's not a very measured mm-hmm. waste stream, but that's something that we're we're trying to correct and why we keep such meticulous data. Yeah, even the six hundred thousand you know pounds that you mentioned, it's uh, it's ridiculous, and just New York, right? 
and I can hear my child again. I'm so sorry. I'm all cleaning up. That's okay. That's, um, that's pandemic life. Right? And, and I like to keep it raw, you know? Like, it's not about perfection. It's about the message. Um, so... So you are guys uh, gathering this fabric and you're trying to redistribute it back to designers, to whoever needs it and create something else with it. So that's kind of like recycling kind of uh, process. But do you also guys do anything else with this fabric? Do you um, mesh it and... Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what you can do with fabric. I'm still researching that, that part. So we... Um... Fabscap has collected so much material, and so we kind of had to define in our own operations, like, what is reusable? Like, what makes a piece reusable? Because reusable is so subjective. Yes, it's technically possible to use, like, little three-inch swatches of fabric, but when you're collecting 600,000 pounds of fabric, those three-inch squares um, aren't really worth our time to organize and yeah. and resale. Um, so... For us, reusable means one yard or more. So we're saving everything that is over a yard um, or usable trims, usable leather skins, cones of yarn, etc. All of that gets saved for resale. Um, we have our warehouse. We have a store in Manhattan. We have our online store. Pre-pandemic, we would do pop-up sales. Um, we've really uh, moved towards a very consistent Instagram flash sale every week now. <laughs> I saw that. Um, instead, so anything that we are categorizing as reusable, um, we're trying to resell or give away. One of our goals is to give away as much fabric as mm -hmm. we sell. So volunteers get to take home five pounds for free. We give a lot away to local organizations. Um, what is too small to reuse we work with a sh shredder um, on the mm -hmm. East Coast who can shred that material down into something that's called shoddy, um, S-H-O-D-D-Y. And shoddy is used to make insulation, soundproofing, carpet padding, mattress stuffing. It's used a lot in the automotive industry. And so it's not technically recycling and that it's not like fabric back into fabric. It's more downcycling because we're using, yeah. we're losing a little bit of utility there, but it does extend the life of those fibers for at least another few years instead of sending them directly to landfill. So that's, that's the best option that we have right now for those small pieces. And right now we're shredding about 40% and reusing about 60%, which is great. That's amazing. It, can you shred only, because from what I read in your website, and did I, you can shred only cottons and 100% polyesters, right? We... We can shred everything except for material with spandex and leather. So mm. leather we can't shred because it's not a fiber, it's a skin. Um, and spandex we can't shred because it's also not a fiber. It's a rubber additive that is added to the fibers and in yeah. the shredding process that melts. And so it's bad for the shoddy, bad for the machine. So we're sorting out spandex and leather um, we do sort for 100% cotton, 100% polyester, and 100% wool, but for the opposite reasons in that there's some really exciting technology for those fibers that will be able to turn fabric into new fabric. Um, mm, they're not that's ready. what I'm... 
Yeah, they're not ready to take volume yet. So we're just measuring how much we get. Um, and those small pieces are still going to the shredder. But then when they're ready to take volume, we know, oh, we're creating 5,000 5, pounds of cotton a month or something like that, um, that we can tell them and, and give them very clean feedstock to support that recycling process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I was when I was looking initially into you guys, I um, that was one thing that I was bummed about because my fabric has a little bit of, of spandex. Uh, I'm looking for a more sustainable version, but for now, um, uh, it's 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 fixing another problem. So it's kind of like you know small steps towards yeah where where we want to and I want to be. But um, that's so interesting. So plan. What is for a scrap. Where do you want it to go? What do you want to do? Like, obviously, probably scaling, right? Now you are in New York. That would be great. Hey, inviting you to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely what we're hoping for next. Actually, in January of 2020, um, we were in L.A. and looking at warehouse space in L.A. to open on the West Coast. Um, thankfully, didn't quite get a lease signed before everything oh. <laughs> shut down. Um, but that's still definitely on the horizon for us. Um, so geographic expansion and there's so much interest in other parts of the country. If we can kind of figure out a way to accept shipments, um, there's a lot of interest in other fashion hubs like Paris, London, um, Milan, Toronto. So geographic expansion is definitely mm -hmm. something that we're looking at. Um, another thing is that we have been kind of focused on recycling and reuse, but really to solve a problem like this, we want to move one step back towards reduction and working with brands on how we reduce the waste in the first place. And what we found is that 75% of what we receive as textile waste is fabric swatches that the mills send to brands so that they can choose what fabric to use. And so, so much of what we get are just these swatches and they're usually stapled to some paper, or stapled to some plastic or in a binder or something. And so we want to work with mills and brands to find another way to package that that's a little bit more sustainable or move towards sample yardage because then that fabric could be reused instead of shredded. So we want to we want to kind of go towards reduction of the waste we're receiving, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I never thought of I, I myself ordered a couple swatches, but I used them. <laughs> so that's good. That's so interesting. You see so many, so many, I, I love to talk to people over here because you learn so much. Yeah. Um, everybody's doing such interesting things just like you. Um, uh, tell me, I usually also um, uh, ask, you know, any pain, it's uh, obviously, you know, you're a non-profit. Uh, FabScrap is a non-profit, but it's also a business, right? Profit, mm -hmm. non-profit, it's a business. You run things, there are operations, there are um, successes and there are pains. Yeah. Tell me what is the biggest pain for you guys now and and the biggest success. You feel like, oh, you know, we, we are doing the right thing. It feels so good. Yeah. Um, I would say one of the hardest things is scaling as a nonprofit um, because we don't have equity to give. Basically, like if FabScrap does well, that means that FabScrap keeps that money so it can continue to do its mission and no one is personally profiting from um, FabScrap doing well. 
However, being a nonprofit makes it really, really hard to get investment um, because investors want equity. Um, they want a return on the investment. And so there's been so much demand for our service. Um, and so we're having to kind of scale as quickly as we can. And sometimes that is like a growing pain that stretches everybody. Um, it's a good problem to have to be yeah. so in demand as a startup, but it, it creates its own challenges and how quickly we're able to scale and grow without how businesses normally do it, which would be like additional capital and investors. So um, strategic grant partners are something that we're looking at and then otherwise just more sustainably growing as our income allows us to. Um, mm -hmm. And some fundraising for like key expansion moments. Like we fundraise, we did a round of fundraising to open our shop in Manhattan. We did some fundraising for LA. Um, so that I would say is a hard part of just the the demand and growing quickly. Um, some successes. I, I think the amount of brands that we have using the service is really exciting. Um, so we're close to 500 companies now. Who yeah. I saw some good brands there working yeah. with you. Um, drop, think, some names. drop some names. <laughs> um, drop some names. So we're working with Mark Jacobs, J. Crew, Oscar De La Renta, Lafayette 148, Mara Hoffman, Eileen Fisher. Um, I, I mean, and that's that's really fun because like everybody on the team, I think, kind of has their favorite fashion company, and so when they sign up for service and we start working for them, it's it's exciting for everybody. Oh my God, Mark Jacobs is my favorite. <laughs> so I'm already excited for you. <laughs> That's really amazing. Um, uh, how do you, uh, I know, you know, some people who are listening here are entrepreneurs and people who start businessing. And, and you know, over the time, talking to um, to different entrepreneurs, raising money is is the main main point, pain point, especially startup, profit, non-profit again. Mm -hmm. It's just all about getting this, uh, um, getting money in to, to grow, to build, to scale, whatever it is that's needed. How do you guys raise money? Do you use a platform? Do you go through angel investors? Is there whatever you can share with us? Yeah, we, um, so I'll, I'll talk about like the, the very beginning, like the founding. Um, I, I put in a little bit of money, but I did not have much. Um, but that at least like got our website up and, um, helped me get some like business cards and the founding, like even just founding a company can be kind of pricey, um, in the formation paperwork and publishing and all of that. So I at least got that started. Um, and then the, the initial like capital that actually helped us launch, I raised by pitching the idea on a TV show. Um, it was Project Runway Fashion Startup, which was Project Runway. I know Project Runway Fashion yeah, Startup. I, think so. I, watched, I watched that edition. Oh, you did? Okay. It was, yeah. I think they only did one season of that kind of like spinoff. Um, but thankfully I was on, on the first season. Um, and that is where we got the, the bulk of the capital. That's how... I purchased the first set of bags um, and started to get my contracts worked out. And then um, I personally just knew I wasn't like a 
great fundraiser. Um, I didn't, I don't, I'm not comfortable asking for money and I didn't have a lot of skill in grant writing. And so I really made sure that our financial plan, even though we're nonprofit, our financial plan included sources of income through what we were doing and that it would be self-sustaining without having to do a lot of fundraising. So all of the brands that work with us, there's a service fee for textile recycling, the same way that they pay for trash pickup or paper recycling, Mm -hmm. they're paying for textile recycling. And then we're selling fabric, even though it's at thrift store prices, we're still selling a lot of fabric. And so between service fees and fabric sales, that's keeps us sort of moving forward without having to do a ton of um, fundraising and um, we're not eligible for investments. So that was really intentional. And it also helps the industry be a little bit more accountable for helping support the infrastructure that's needed for recycling because it becomes part of their bottom line if there's a service fee. And so I think that was really important too, was that like the industry needs to fund the solution. This isn't public waste. It didn't come from public donations. Like these brands who are creating the problem should also pay for the solution. And so that helped wrap Clean that up your accountability. Mess. Yeah, that mm-hmm. piece was important. That makes sense. So you guys have kind of established some kind of income coming from your services, which then pitching um, anybody else to bring in money, it's kind of more um, more feasible. Um, that, that's great. Um, wait, there was some uh, something that popped up I want to ask you when you said something and then I forgot, of course. Oh, we'll come back. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so one other question I also like to ask because, you know, we all learn from each other and and um, I always, you know, my friends send me podcasts or books or apps and I'm like, oh my God, this is mind blowing. I love it. Is there <laughs> anything that is currently like your thing, book, podcast that inspires you or even app or program that helps you run uh, Fab Scrap um, and that you cannot live without? Uh, yeah. something that you really for me for example like Evernote Evernote is my second brain like I literally whatever I have like I Evernote Evernote and then I have just like lines of things that I was like oh my god this was good that I saved it <laughs> but so anything or podcast or book that is like inspiration for you that you can share and yes. you can spread it out there there's there's a few things um I am very, very old school in that if I don't write it down, I will not remember it. Like putting it into a Google calendar or an email or like even typing it um, for me is just like not useful. I have to write it. So I still use a physical like paper planner, um, but I'm keeping track of so much and I am so picky about planners that I found this company called Agendio that lets you totally customize your planner every year. So you can add lists and columns and um I spend a lot of time making sure that like my planner is my brain so that's one because I am not tech minded um enough to keep wait aren't you like are you Gen Z or who are you are you I I think I'm like I think I'm like a elder millennial (laughs) okay so that's how I understand a little bit this notebook yeah but that's how I said I never heard of it but it's such a great idea to like customize it because like honestly I love to write too now I just have this Japanese notebook actually that is just pages 
because all of the other notebooks, I was like, I don't need this column. Why do I have to have this? I don't yeah. want this on my page. That was how I felt. Oh my God, I'm going to link it for sure. Yeah, it's, um, I was realizing that I was like keeping the same sort of lists every month. And so like I have lists that repeat before each month. I have like my to-do list for each week and then blank pages in the back. Like you can customize all of it. And so that was super, super helpful for me. Um, some other things I listened to this podcast called what a day every morning. Um, what, a day. what a day, because mm -hmm. I was finding it really hard to digest the news. Um, it was either too upsetting or I didn't feel like it was, um, giving me like an, it was either too specific and local or too upsetting, or it wasn't giving me like the big picture. And so what a day is nice. It's like 25, maybe 30 minutes. And they just talk about like the high level news items that happened from the day before. And so like, I feel more current. Um, it really doesn't like bum me out in a way that a lot of other news does. Um, and so that I listen to every morning just to stay. You don't have to tell me I stopped watching news because I get to the point that I was reading like, you know, five sides just to understand like what is the truth? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, what, what is the emotional, political involvement or other involvement? And understand all the sides. So yeah, I totally um, understand. I never heard, but I'm going to link it too. That's interesting. What else? Um, let's see. I um I had a book and now I'm spacing it. Um, but a book I'm looking forward to reading, I haven't um, cracked it open yet, but just ordered it, is um, All We Can Save, which is a compilation of climate change um, essays and work and poems, um, mostly from women and activists in the space. And so that's something that I'm excited to read and sort of remember like why I got into the work, because sometimes the day to day can drag you down a little bit. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's such a great idea. I feel that too. I I have like a little video that I made for myself and also like sometimes I just like to watch it to go to my why and, and kind of keep going because it can be driving. I know what I was thinking about. I was thinking about B Corp. Like how oh, you guys yeah. th were thinking about that to transition the nonprofit to B Corp. Um, it's really hard to transition out of a nonprofit into a for profit. Um I think for right now, nonprofit really fits our mission because of the education that we want to do um, because of the redistribution and free fabric and we utilize volunteer help a lot. And so nonprofit really works for us. I also just, because this is like for the planet, I don't, I don't really feel that anybody needs to personally profit and there's still ownership in B Corp. And like, yes, there's sort of like this model yeah. of charity that's built in, but I don't personally feel like anybody needs to profit from what we're doing. Um, so not that we're not profitable, but I just can appreciate that like all of that mission-based funds stay within the company to continue the mission. That's great. That's great because, you know, honestly, um, not all the nonprofits are build that way and manage their found that way you know mm -hmm. let's be honest with that um i was reading something about it and and it's it's scary and and just uh yeah never mind <laughs> uh, but hey, it makes sense for you it makes sense for me um what else um, i think 
I think that's it. I, I, it was so interesting to talk to you, Jessica. I, uh, like I said, like I was looking forward to it to learn more and, and your mission and Fabscrap. It's such a great idea. So I really Thank wanted you. to bring it uh, up here to, you know, to inspire and to, for all of us. And I learned so much. Oh, thanks <laughs> or, for having uh, me. This was fun. Wish you all the best and um, and uh, to Fabscrap. And I hope you are guys going to be growing and getting to Chicago and. Who knows, maybe recycle some of my fabrics, which I'm looking to. I'm going to stop right now. Ah, what a great conversation. I enjoyed talking to Jessica so much. Um, and honestly, I was thinking today that nothing in the world inspires me more than people and especially people doing um, such an interesting things and uh, trying to tackle problems we are facing. And, you know, honestly, I strongly believe that we do all have, each or one of us has a power to change something small in your surrounding, how we live, our lifestyle, to fix problems, um, especially the ones in the environment, because I think those are the most important ones we have to tackle now. I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, I have some other uh, interesting, equally interesting guests uh, lined up in future episodes. Until then, love and light.